The following program is sponsored by Evangelical Life Ministries. Welcome to Engaging Truth, the manifestation of God's Word in the lives of people around us. Join us each week as we explore the impact of His message of spiritual renewal, from the lesson of forgiveness forged in the crucible of divorce, to the message of salvation learned by an executioner from a condemned killer, to the gift of freedom found in the rescue of victims of human trafficking. This is God's Truth in Action. Welcome to Engaging Truth. This is Dave Schultz, your host for this particular program. I have a guest that I'm going to be interviewing for a few minutes, and I've known him for a long time, but I've not seen him for years except this morning on the Zoom recording. Welcome, Pastor Roosevelt Gray. Thank you, Dave. It's wonderful being with you. I know that you and I crossed paths years ago um, when we were both in Houston, and I'm still here, and I'm going to probably end my days here in Houston as, uh, as, as you did some years ago. And when you wow, passed yeah, on from I here. Was there from, yeah, I vicared at Mount Calvary Lutheran Church from 86 to uh 87, went back and finished my Masters of Divinity and came back in 88 as pastor of that congregation. Now that you've just mentioned that, tell me a little bit about Pastor Gray. Well, uh, I grew up uh, AME, African Methodist, Episcopal, and Baptist. My parents were from Otogaville, Alabama, and they grew up AME. And when they moved to Montgomery, where I was born in Montgomery, I'm the last of eight kids, they, uh, they, they somewhat moved their membership to the Baptist church. And, uh, and I grew up pretty much uh, Baptist through, through a high school, but then attend church very much because my parents didn't, didn't really go to church with, with me. I was the youngest of eight in the family. My sister and I, we used to go to church together. She's three years older than me. But what I could hear when I was that young is that God was just the lawgiver and that he was angry. And I can remember uh, uh, those words that people used to quote, sinners in the hands of an angry God. And then the other one, uh, sinners, your hands are too short to box with God. (laughs) And that used to scare me to death. So Dave, I, I used to go up to that church at a very young age and come home. And was just scared to death, but I didn't know how to talk to my parents about God. And because if I told my dad, the preacher said that I was a sinner going to hell, dad was going to want to know, well, what are you doing up to that church? (laughs) So so I pretty much suffered on my own with that whole religious experience and was happy when my dad took me out of church at a young age to go fishing with he and his brothers on the backwaters of the Alabama River. But then when I got to college, I met this young lady who was in the band. I was in the band. I played the tuba. She played the clarinet. She was a third generation Lutheran out of the church planting endeavor of Rosie Young in 1916, starting uh, in rural Alabama, the Black Belt. Rosa planted 30 Lutheran schools and 35 Lutheran congregations with uh, the missionaries who came down to Alabama in the early 1900s, from 1916 to probably 1921 or 22 is where most of those 
30 35 churches and 30 schools were started. She had an impeccable Christian lifestyle, prayed for every meal, dedicated life to prayer, knew uh, Luther small catechism, knew the word of God. And so when we started dating, she said, well, if we're going to date, you're going to have to go to church. <laughs> well, now what I remember about church that God was just very angry. And I had, to, you know, my dad had pulled me out of church and I was happy about that. Because uh, I didn't know how to, to deal with an angry God. And then I started going to church and we got married right out of college in 77, went to Jacksonville, Florida to work. And there I came across a Lutheran congregation, St. Paul's. And the first time I truly heard the gospel. And maybe it was because I was much older, I could understand the gospel. I heard about God's love, his grace and his mercy. And that changed my life. And my wife and I, we were actively involved in the life of the church. I became a deacon in the church. Uh, we did volunteer youth work, the young adult ministry. And so the pastor one day said, have you ever thought about being a pastor? And I said, man, you, 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 you can't be serious. I mean, that's not nothing that I ever thought about before days. And, uh, and he said, but I think God has gifted you with some gifts. And so uh, we went and visited the seminaries and uh, finally decided to go to Fort Wayne. And now 34 years later, man, it has been a marvelous journey. I see that your wife appears to be the greatest influence in your life. Is that correct? Amen. She was the, the first real spiritual influence that at an older age that had me thinking about what it means to go to church and to be actively involved in the life of the church. Now, when we got to Jacksonville, Florida, we had a Sunday school teacher. She's gone home to be with the Lord, Grace Solomon. She was kind of the Sunday school teachers for us young adults and, and the married couple. She, she uh, had lost her husband, had three, had th three sons and a daughter, and she was home alone. And uh, so we would go by her house, all of us young adults and youth ministry, and she really really taught us spiritually what it means to be a child of God. And God rest her soul, but she was a marvelous lady in the church that really dedicated her life to the church and, and had us to dedicate our lives to the church too. Isn't, isn't it a marvelous thing that there are people who God sends into our lives who become the example for us, the Christ-like example that we say, I don't want to be like that. Amen, Dave. Tell me, tell me, how has ministry changed for you in these 34 years? Well, starting out, you know, all I wanted to be was a parish pastor. That's what I wanted to be. Uh, I was actively involved in St. Paul's Lutheran Church there in Jacksonville, Florida. And, and really, uh, I just saw how these dedicated Christians live their lives and and they supported young people like myself. And, you know, I was the youngest of all of the deacons or the elders, as we called them. And these men were like my father. And, and they just, they, they took me under their wings and they just loved on us and cared for, for me and uh, always had a spiritual uh, outlook for us and cared for us uh, physically and reminded us that we were God and that we needed to dedicate our lives and and they encouraged me to go to the seminary. And so 
my first my first year was uh, 88. I was ordained at that church back in Jacksonville in 88. And then I was uh, installed as Mount Calvary's pastor in 88, June of 88, July of 88, at least. And then uh, after that, I served that little mission church for uh, six years before I went back on staff at the seminary. But what that mission church taught me, now the seminary taught me theology. It taught me the disciplines of, uh, of, uh, of, of understanding theology from an exegetical standpoint, a historical standpoint, systematic and pastoral. But the church taught me how to be a pastor. The church taught me how to care for troubled souls and lives that were broken by sin and, and broken community. The church just taught me how to do that. Mainly, it taught me through having, having to trust in Christ, in the Holy Spirit, prayer and patience in dealing with sinners. And as Paul says, whom we are chief, you know that, Dave, but uh, it taught me how to be a pastor. And we were working with a lot of teen mothers who were getting pregnant at a very young age. Uh, you know, the pandemic of teen pregnancy and the mother had her child at 15. The child had her child at 15. And so we were trying to work hard at stopping teen pregnancy. And so we, uh, we kind of embedded our lives in that community and really worked hard with these young people and their families to help these young girls from getting pregnant at such an early age. And, uh, and we did a marvelous job there at Mount Calvary to do that. We had those kids involved in all kinds of activities. The Lutheran Women Missionary League, which is a missionary league in the Lutheran Church, helped us to get a van so that we can carry the kids around to different places. And we got them involved in activities. And my motto to the kids were always this. You can't determine or dictate what family you're born into, but you can determine and dictate your life for, for the future. And so don't let your environment dictate your destiny is what I used to tell them. And uh, let your faith in Christ dictate your destiny. And many of those kids went on and graduated from college and didn't get pregnant and became great citizens. So that was my first encounter with the church down in Jacksonville. But I had learned that, I mean, down in Houston, but I had learned that from Jacksonville, being very heavily involved in youth ministry there. And then I was called back to the seminary to go recruit men for ministry. And so I spent about four years on the seminary campus in Fort Wayne, going around the nation, recruiting young men and, and, and uh, second career men for the, for the work of the ministry, seminary education. And after that, I took a call back to the church in Detroit, Michigan. Now, here's the marvelous thing, Dave, about the church in Detroit, Michigan. I'm sitting in my office one day and I get a call from a young lady that uh, that was part of the ministry down in uh, Houston, Texas. And she said that the president of the congregation had given me given uh, her my name and she wanted to call me and let, let me know how her life was going. She said, I got good news and I got bad news, Pastor. I said, well, tell me the good news. She said, the good news is I remember what you said. Don't let my, uh, don't let my community or my family dictate my destiny. And she said, I remember your words. And she said, I went on to, to college and I'm graduating from college. I said, well, Karen, that's great news. So what could be the bad news? She said, well, I'm dating a young man and I did get pregnant, but we're going to get married. I said, well, Karen, you know, that's not the usual way you go about it. If you get married and have children second. But I said, may God be praised that at least uh, 
you're getting a college education, you're marrying a young man that you, you that that you're dating, and a child is coming into the world. Get that baby to the baptismal font so that God's grace and mercy can be upon the, the baby, and God's grace and mercy can be upon your family. So then I went on from there and uh, I worked at the district office for 12 years, and now I work out of the synodical office in uh, St. Louis as director of Black and African Ministry. And I've done that since 2013. Tell me, the gospel is always important to be proclaimed in every culture, but we live in a prevailing secular society today, and it's it seems to be getting more and more um, difficult to proclaim that message. How has it affected the black community in in the proclamation of the message in this secularization of society? Well, you know, the older generation, they're still connected to the church and to the gospel of all denominations. It's their kids and their grandkids that have drifted away because, uh, you know, as so many of our young people believe that upward mobility is in uh how much money you make and where you live and what you drive and what you wear and all of those kinds of things. And it's been, become very hard to reach that generation. And, and so what I'm telling congregations and people that, you know, we got to be patient with them. We got to, we got to mentor and the gospel of Jesus Christ in their lives. And, and many of them may not come to know Jesus as savior, but they can never say they did not hear the gospel. And we have to constantly be reminded that, our task is to share and tell them the good news of the gospel and be Jesus in their lives. And we pray that somehow uh, the Holy Spirit would have a breakthrough to get them back to the gospel and back to the church. But Dave, it's a difficult situation. I read a lot of uh, church demographers and they talk about uh, this, this emerging generation, you know, and they, they simply say that it's a different generation out there. And we're going to have to figure out how do we deal with them and how do we serve them and how do we share the good news of the gospel to them. It's going to be tough. It is going to be tough, but we can't give up on them, Dave. Right. We have the only hope that they need. You know, a quality education is good. Uh, a nice home is good. A great bank account is good. But where do you ser serve eternity? And that's the ultimate goal that we must share with them. It's difficult. I must say, I, I, I go around the, the, the nation talking to churches and what I see oftentimes, uh, you know, people my age and older, gray hair, uh, parents, grandparents sitting in church, wondering why their kids who are baptized and catechized as Lutherans and Christians are not coming anymore but wanting their kids to be baptized. And I think maybe we can, we can get back into their lives through their children by baptizing, catechizing, and investing in another generation so they can be the catalyst of bringing these, these young adult parents back to the church. Pastor Gray, um, as director of the Black Ministry of the LCMS, how important is evangelism passion today among your people? Well, I think, well, biblically evangelism, it has to be the, the, the core passion that we have. 
Jesus, you know, uh, uh, said to the disciples, uh, you know, that wonderful text in Matthew, the 28th chapter, as you're going, disciple the nations, baptizing them, teaching them. And uh, everything that I have taught you, and Lord, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And Paul, in that in the book of Romans, that first chapter, talks about the importance of the gospel. As he says that I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God unto salvation. It is very important that I tell congregations and leaders that it is very important that we image and we become the icon of the gospel of Christ to the communities in which God has called us to serve. Now, it's not an easy task. There's a lot of brokenness in these communities, but we cannot give up on communities as the world gives up on communities. We have to constantly be about getting out into these communities, identifying what the felt needs are, telling them the good news of the gospel, and bringing the resources of those communities to the community in which God has called us to serve. And I simply tell people, take a zip code radius and a five mile radius and work at serving that community. And then that community will bring other people from other areas into the congregation. It is the utmost important that we share this good news of the gospel. It is the only hope at the end of the day Tell me a story that just brings a special light into your life. There are probably dozens of them, but tell me a story that 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 just whenever you think about it, it just kind of brings a special light to you. Wow. Yeah, there are many stories, but the one that I think of is the story of uh of the young family uh that we were that we had gotten this van in Houston, Texas, and the van, we would go to the apartment complex because it had a nice little area there that we would do uh, games with our kids, do Sunday school uh, lessons and, and catechesis. And, and this, young, this young mother who uh, had two children, and she, and she was only a child herself, and uh, she came over with her two kids and she said, is it possible that my kids can play with your kids? We noticed that you, you guys come to the park, you have activities, Christian activities, and your kids have fun. Can my two daughters come? And I said, yes. And so they came. And, and uh, every time we go to the park, they would come. And we did that once a week for these kids on the weekend because we wanted to keep the kids out of trouble. And she would bring her kids. And so one day she said, uh, can you all, do you all pick people up for church? And I said, sure we do. And she said, we'd love to come to church. And so we had the van in the church and we brought them to church. And, and I talked to them about baptism and, and, uh, and, and confirmation. And they, all three of them got baptized, the mother and the two kids. They all went through confirmation. They became a member of the church, actively involved in the life of the church. And then something happened in the church with her and someone else. And and I became very upset and angry. And I had said to my elders and pastors that we're going to have to, she's going to have to leave. But then they said, no, pastor, we can't do that. If you put her out of the church, the kids go with her. And we'll never see anybody else from that apartment complex back to church anymore. And, uh, and we did not. And we kept them in the church, took them through counseling. Those kids graduated from college. And that family stayed in the church. Isn't so I've seen the power. I have seen the power of the gospel. 
when we dedicate our lives to serving people in communities. Those personal relationships that you create in ministry are so vital and important. So you know, vital. You know, when a pastor thinks of just being in the office and taking care of a private communion and going into Ladies Guild and and preaching <laughs> on Sunday, that it is it's fulfilling, but it's it's communicating with the people the message of the gospel, Amen. enjoying and upbuilding relationships that are so important. Now, Dave, um, I don't know which seminary you went to, but I was at Fort Wayne, and there was a there was a there was a professor there, George Krauss. I don't know if you remember the name George yeah. Krauss. And George used to tell us all the time he was in pastoral care, and he did deaf ministry too. And he said, "Gentlemen, he said you got to exegete the lives of God's people into the Word of God and the Word of God into the lives of God's people." And he says, "I have to remind you this over and over again." A house and community going past will make a, a, a church going people. And I never forgot that, Dave. And so instead of sitting in that little office there, I go up to the school, I go to the hospital, I go to the nursing home, I go to the funeral home, and I give everybody my card. And I said, I'm the pastor of Mount Calvary Lutheran Church. And at that time, we only had two black Lutheran churches in the city. And finally, uh, people started coming to see. And it was building personal relationships. You're right about that. We can't see around the corner, Pastor Gray. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen in the future, but you've been at this work of proclaiming the message, proclaiming the message of Christ for all these years. Peek around the corner with me, and what do you see as the church um, develops as the end of the age comes? What do you see? Well, here's what I see for the church. The world has almost given up on communities and people. There seems to be this idea that, you know, that everybody is getting their own little, little personal uh, 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 world out there. I think the church has to remain in communities. And I think there are three things that the church has to do. Number one, we got to help educate people and families. We do that well with Christian education. Number two, we got to be a hope to families and communities with not only telling them what's wrong, but also telling them who's right and, and building those kinds of uh, ministry opportunities. If, 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 if our passion is to stop more people from getting a, uh, an abortion, then we need to build clinics and places where we can bring these young people and families. We need to identify what are the felt needs in these communities and then help find resources to help develop that. We need to learn how to do housing to redevelop communities so that we can do what God has called us to do. I just think the church has to really step up in this 21st century to be the heart and the soul of Christ to these communities. I must say I've really enjoyed the time together. We only have about a minute and a half left. And All right, then, my say, brother. It, went, it seems it like went quickly, then. you've been talking for two <laughs> minutes, and it's really been 24 minutes. Uh, Pastor Gray, thank you so much for being with us, and God continued to bless you as you serve him with the gifts that you have been given. Um, thank so, you, Heavenly Father, I close this with prayer and bless my brother, Heavenly Father, Thank you for the wisdom that you've given to each one of us in the promises of your holy word. And may the joy of our own personal salvation never wane 
as we continue to build relationships with the people that you have sent to us in the precious and holy name of Jesus. Thank you so much, Pastor Gray, for being with us. Thank you, my brother. And may Jesus continue to bless your work, and the Holy Spirit will continue to keep you straight and keep you focused upon the only message that saves, and that is Jesus Christ. Thank you, and good night, and come back to us again on Engaging Truth. Thank you, my friends. Good night. Thank you for listening to this broadcast of Engaging Truth. Be sure to join us each week at this time. To help support our ministry, contact Evangelical Life Ministries, Post Office Box 568, Cypress, Texas, 77410, or visit our website at elmhouston.org, or find us on Facebook at Evangelical Life Ministries. Thank you.